Welcome to the Friars on the Farm podcast. And now here's your hosts, Donovan and Roy. The Wiz Kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll. Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and coming to me from Quarantine Alley over in Mira Mesa is Roy. <laughs> I'm trapped on, I'm trapped in my bubble. Someone get me out of here. You guys are actually sick, though, right? I mean, you, you know, obviously you don't have COVID. You guys haven't been tested, but you guys are battling a flu. We both have been battling some kind of, some kind of a bug for the better part of a week now. Uh, so there's been a lot of coughing and sneezing and stuff going on around this house. So we are doing our best not to spread our germs beyond our perimeter. But also, you guys aren't running a fever. So, I mean, here's the thing about the coronavirus is there's still other colds. There's flus. There's, you know, that isn't the coronavirus. So you're, everyone's still getting sick with the regular seasonal stuff. But, you know, the coronavirus comes around. It, it gets pretty serious. Well, but there's also the possibility that somebody could be carrying it, not show any symptoms, or somebody could only show minimal symptoms, such as the kind of stuff that we've got, and no. Um, so actually, last week when Angela was starting to come down with it, she had a phone appointment with her doctor, and the topic of testing did come up, and the doctor basically said that unless you're in the ICU and we really need to diagnose it, there just isn't the availability of testing. Yeah. So... In the meantime, we drink lots of fluids and lots of vitamin C and try to go for a walk every once in a while, get some fresh air and yeah. make the best. <laughs> well, I've learned how to use the mute button quite well on the on Skype. You did. So, you guys, we're going to have D.B. Fast, uh, D.B. Firstman, sorry, uh, author of Hall of Name book, which is a fantastic book. We will have the um, the way to purchase that book in the in the description of the podcast, but that's a great interview. And also we're going to have Mike Rivers from Adoptive Minor League Player on, and he's going to talk about what they're doing over there at Adoptive Minor League Player. I want to say, though, I'm having some issues. Like when Roy's, when I'm doing the stuff by myself, it just goes south. So the um, the audio isn't the best, um, and I'm still, we were trying to figure it out with Roy. I was showing Roy, this is what I'm doing. He's like, well, press that, and... Um, stick with us. It's a great interview. DB's great, and, and Mike is great, and um, it's real fun content. Well, it, it doesn't help that b before I left for spring training, we split up the gear yeah. so I could stuff and hopefully do some interviews, and then everything got shut down, and so you've got like half of a rig there, and I've got half of a rig, and so you're trying to MacGyver something to get up there. We're doing the best with what we got. We do it. And the mic I have is like, <laughs> it's a $10 mic from Fry's. Um, but, you know, and the only kind of news that is worth kind of talking to before we guys, give you guys DB and Mike is out of nowhere, Reggie Lawson and Andres Munoz go under the knife. That was kind of unexpected. I, You know, it, 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 it is and it isn't. Um, Reggie Lawson had already been shut down last year once with elbow issues. Uh, he had platelet-rich plasma injection and tried to rehab it. He came back at the end of the year and was looking good. Uh, but with that kind of thing, it you really need to wait until somebody's ramped all the way up to full workload to, to relax and say, okay, he's going to be all right. Um, and with Munoz, 
he's always had that high effort delivery with some yeah. mechanics that people never liked. And all along, people were looking at him going, I don't know if that elbow is going to hold up, throwing 103. And now it hasn't. So and the optimist side is these guys are having a surgery. They should be able to come back strong. And hopefully in about a year and a half, they should both be back to about where they were before they went down with the injury. Yeah, and, and, and not to mention it's kind of a – it's a weird kind of season with uh, we don't know how many games they're going to play or if really we are. Apparently, they are playing uh, baseball in Korea with no fans. So maybe nope. that's something that maybe Major League Baseball can do. Um, we... I saw a of Daisuke Matsuzaka pitching to Christian Villanueva. Really? Daisuke is yeah. still pitching? Daisuke is still pitching. Apparently, his fastball tops out at like 83 but he can still throw that gyro slider, whatever that thing was. Yeah. It's a slider. It's a slider. Um, that's really interesting. And then today, if you guys saw on Twitter, Noah Syndergaard goes down with Tommy John surgery as well. So a lot of talk before the season, you know, and Padres Twitter just wanted to talk about trading for Noah Syndergaard. I, even I might even said, hey, let's do something if it doesn't cost us too much. Um, mm-hmm. Some people were even saying, let's do Patino for Noah Syndergaard and some higher prospects. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. no. And Chris Sale went down just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. If it was even that long. Um, yeah, and some people had mentioned his name with the Will Myers talks we're talking because he's got a huge contract and some injury concerns, and there you go. Now he's on the shelf for a year, year and a half. You know, and you got to think that Major League Baseball has to put that into account. Although I'm sure there are obviously prior existing conditions with those guys, but the big fear is when Major League Baseball does ramp back up, how much time are they going to give to um, let guys get straightened out or you know uh, stretched out? Are they going to expand the rosters and let them be adding pitchers? Uh, does that open up a space for say a McKenzie Gore? I heard him talking about that on Ben and Woods this morning. I don't think so, but it's quite it's very big possibility that if they expand those rosters, that a lot of teams do go with a six man rotation just to kind of take the workload off of starting pitching. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that uh, Kevin AC brought that up. And if they're talking about condensing the the season, condensing the schedule at all, then you're going to have to expand the rosters. Uh, you know, Saris put out an interesting article talking about workload management and talking to different people about how to handle this shutdown and a ramp back up whenever it happens. And I remember somebody saying that a week, a week of being off the schedule of a throwing program for a pitcher, it's like you're losing a whole month of off-season training. Yeah. So these guys really have to be diligent to stay on top of it without really knowing when the, the finish line is, or I guess when the start line is. It's, it's a weird situation, but we could see some weird stuff happen when these guys try to fire it back up. Yeah, and then how's that going to play with, uh, with, with, with service time, with contracts, guys in their last, you know, guys with contracts? It's just, God, it's obviously it's uncharted territory. And they're gonna... Yeah, but until we have any idea how long the schedule is going to be, it's yeah. kind of hard to talk about any of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Are they going to have For double sure. headers once a week, or how are they going to try to squeeze in games? Well... Until then, all we can do is hang out and entertain ourselves and hopefully find some interesting people to talk to. Yeah, and we will. We have a ton of people to talk to. And right now, we're going to bring you D.B. Firstman, author of Hall of Name. And right after that is Mike Mike Rivers uh, of MILB, Adopt MILB Player. Talking baseball.
Lazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew 'em all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Usually, Donovan writes a quick intro for our guest. But DVD's bio on the Society for American Baseball Research website says it all. Quote, D.B. Firstman is a data analyst for the city of New York, crunching large data sets using SPSS and Excel. They've been a member of Sabre off and on since the late 1980s. Besides their own baseball blog, Value Over Replacement Grit, their work has appeared at ESPN, Brock's Banter, Baseball Prospectus, The Hardball Times, and in The Village Voice. They wonder if the Royals will ever learn to love the three true outcomes. Well, we get to welcome on to the Friars on the Farm podcast, D.B. Firstman. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, love San Diego, so let's go Padres. Yes. I, um, so where, you're, you're in New York, yeah? Yes. Where, where in New York? Forest Hills, Queens, basically where the old uh, U.S. Open tennis tournament was held before they built the big stadium in Flushing. Okay, so the stadium in Flushing you can see from the freeway, correct? Yes. Okay, so my wife's from New York, and we go back there often. She has family, and uh, she was born in Brooklyn, raised in Port Washington. She has a brother that lives in Long Island, and we usually fly there and then drive to Connecticut where most of the family are now. And so I'm familiar with seeing City Field on my left, and then I think it's the uh, U.S. Open on my right. I think towards the uh, towards the yes. city. Um, you got it. So I'll tell I'll tell my wife that uh, we talked to you from Queens. Okay. Well, I'm a, I'm a lifelong New York resident and lived in Queens for most of my life. Yes. Okay. So, so the, did you grow up a Mets fan, a Giants fan, a Yankees fan, a Dodgers fan? Okay. Um, Long story short, my father, uh, my parents were divorced when I was two. My father would come over to visit, plop himself down on the couch and turn on the TV and turn on the Yankee game. And I quickly realized that if I was going to uh, bond with him, it was going to be through baseball, specifically the Yankees. And even though we lived 10 minutes away from Shea Stadium, um, whenever we would go to a ball game, and we went to a ball game quite often, it would be to Yankee Stadium. And I would say, Dad, we're only 10 minutes from Shea. And he looked at me like I had three heads. Oh, no. <laughs> See, now my wife grew up a Mets fan, but you're forgiven because you're a guest. So okay. did, you, did you adopt the Yankees or did you resist and become a Mets fan in, in, in defiance? I followed the Yankees um, pretty much for my uh, childhood and my early teens and 20s. And then I discovered Sabre and I discovered uh, the beauty of fantasy baseball. And I sort of dropped allegiances to any particular team. Nowadays, I do prefer the Mets because I prefer their broadcast team. Gary Keith and Ron are some of the are three of the best in the business. Oh, you're gonna okay. You're you are now redeemed yourself, DB. Okay, um, my well, my wife loves Ron Darling, and has been a lifelong Met fan. So um, you've definitely redeemed yourself. So who were some of the players growing up that you really idolized? My favorite player growing up, uh, my first favorite player was Bobby Mercer. 
Yeah. So, so he was the, the center fielder on some very mediocre to poor Yankees teams before they got really good in 76. And he was famously traded for Bobby Bonds back in 1975. And so my heart went, my heart went poof, you know, when he got traded. Um, <laughs> yeah. Then he came back to, he came back to the Yankees a few years later. So we were able to reunite our, our love for Bobby. Um, after that, my next favorite player was Gary Carter. Um, and I collected every Gary Carter card I could find. And we went to a baseball card show once in New York and, my friend cornered him in the uh, men's bathroom and forced him outside to take a picture with me. Oh. <laughs> I love I love stories like that. I love you know players getting accosted back in you know somewhere having a picture taken from for you know with them. I love those stories. Now th- there are some very specific criteria. There there are rules of engagement in a men's room that you just don't break. And there was a serious breach of etiquette to confront Gary Carter, not only to talk to him, but to convince him to come out and almost hold him hostage. Like, you're not going to leave this bathroom without taking a picture. <laughs> well, Gary, Gary, is, uh, Gary was a very uh, congenial, friendly sort, and he was not the type to turn down uh, most requests. He, you know, he gladly took a photo. We, you know, and I... Had it blown up, and yeah, we're basically standing uh, outside the door to the men's room in this hotel. <laughs> well, and there's not not very often do you run into guys like that, even if it isn't a baseball card showing. So when you when you get your opportunity, you know you uh, you have to take it. Of course, of course. So you mentioned fantasy sports, um, and that's not something that I had on my on my notes here. Uh, but I used to play fantasy baseball like in the late 90s through the 2000s. But I'm guessing you got into fantasy baseball well before that. Um, yeah, I mean, rotisserie, when it was called Rotisserie League Baseball, after the, uh, I believe the, it was the rotisserie restaurant where this was originally formulated. Um, yeah, I was playing back in the late 80s, early 90s, the infancy, the infancy of the internet. Um, but before the internet, you had to go to the sporting news and find the player statistics after each week and tabulate by hand. So, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're going back a ways. Um, I'm showing my age here. Well, I was going to say, you so, were 10, right? You were 10 when this was going on? You yeah, were... <laughs> just about 10. Yeah, right. But that was so, really for American baseball research. It was context that you met through that. I'm sorry, I missed that question. Uh, was this through the Society of American Baseball Research? Is that how you got linked in with all of that? Uh, it started mostly. I, I, my dad fostered my love of baseball, and he would do anything to you know crystallize it in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, he, he bought me, he bought me a Stratomatic game, you know, when I was like 11. So I was like the only girl who was playing Stratomatic, uh, <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, so I played Stratomatic, I was playing uh, all sorts of uh, 
tabletop baseball games, and uh, the saber stuff was just a, a a logical next step. It was it was I needed some kindred spirits. I needed to find people in the area who who loved baseball as much as I did, and I joined them in like the mid to late 1980s. So I was already I was already um, in college. I I had gotten a degree in athletic administration from St. John's. I wanted to go into business side of sports. Didn't work out that way, but, you know, I I wanted to be in sports management and it didn't work out that way. But, you know, the same, the Sabre stuff came pretty, pretty early, pretty early in my life, but pretty much right after my graduation from, from college. Wow. So did you writing or was it, was it working with other writers? What was your role in that community? Um, at that point, back in the late 80s, it was basically just going to the meetings and seeing if there were uh, any other women of my age at those meetings. The demographics, <laughs> the demographics were male, white, and at least 50 years old. So oh, Wow. Wow, that is yeah. that is fantastic. So you're you're a pioneer, kind of almost in in the Sabre community, yeah. Uh, to an extent, to an extent, and uh, yeah, they all have these so, like, really deep New York accent. Hey, kid, come over here. <laughs> well, no, fortunately, nobody hit on me there. That was <laughs> well, then it was good. They were, it was a good safe space. Yeah, good safe space. Um, they did. They did appreciate that I knew some baseball trivia, and you know that I seemed to know about the Yankees and the Mets and things of that nature. And um, but I wasn't really writing back then. I did some some really um, low level analysis of batting statistics for for the Saber newsletter at one point. But I really didn't start writing till till the early two thousands. Well, so I've been a huge Jason Stark fan for years. Um, I've also followed you on Twitter for a while, uh, for several years, and I've known you as I see like you you will tweet about interesting names, um, and it's y- there's historical nuggets that are mixed in there. But it wasn't until I read the foreword of your book Hall of Name um, that I learned that you are a major contributor to Jason's articles, his useless information article. I, it, it's been one of the highlights of my sports <laughs> for years. I love that article. It's about all the statistical oddities and stuff, but he loves talking about, well, this player with the last name Marshall hit a home run off of another player, a pitcher with the last name Marshall, and that's the first time a player with the same last name, he'll go back into the history but apparently he uses you as a reference for these nuggets. Uh, yes, he does. We, uh, Jason and I go back probably 15 years wow. um, in terms of helping each other uh, with stuff. When he was working for ESPN.com and he would write his useless information columns for ESPN, um, I, would send him, I would send him stupid nuggets. Like, you know, this is the first time each half inning of the first two innings was let off by a home run. And, you know, he would, he would post something about that. And he would, he would have a section of his column for reader submissions. And that's how I got 
you know, that's how he got to know me because I was a frequent contributor. Flash forward, um, he goes to the athletic. I'm I'm blogging. I'm writing about names, and you know, we we sort of meet up and and the circumstances where he has different people he goes to for certain. He has different people he goes to for certain categories of trivia, and he knows that I, my thing is is names, and you know, I I have I have. You know, two hundred thousand game logs with lineups and and batteries and things of that nature from the RetroSheet website. I have a spreadsheet with two hundred thousand game logs, so I can tell you who batted second. You know, the most times you know in their career, something like that. So when he has a question about a name, yes, he sends out the bat signal, and I respond. Okay, so that is fantastic. And uh, Roy must be in his... Roy is an engineer, so he loves statistics. He loves numbers. He loves these oddities that we have in baseball. But I want to quickly tell you a story about us at at, um, at the winning meetings. So we we applied for credentials for the winning meetings, and so we're running around with our, you know, with our with our microphones, and we're grabbing guys when we can, and we run into Jason Stark, and he's getting ready to get... And, you know, he was in a conversation, then he was running to the elevator, and we just stopped him, and, hey, this I'm Roy and Donovan from Friars and Farm Podcast, we'd love to have you talk to you for a few minutes, and he's like, I'm on my way to a meeting, I would if I could, you know, and it's kind of crazy for us, I will if I, you know, he, 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 he was very nice, he said he would if he could, but he's on his way truly to a meeting, like, he's like, I am really on my way to a meeting, if I have time later, absolutely, and the wind that was blown out of Roy's sails was like, ah. Oh. So we thought that was very polite of him. That was our one shot. We took it. We didn't get it. That's fine. No worries. I think it was the next, wasn't it the next day? It was the next day, I think. Yeah. Roy was coming in and out. I was there almost every day, all day. And uh, me and Roy hook up. And then we're in the lobby there at the Hyatt. And, he, and Jason walks through. And... Roy's like, I'm like, dude, go. It's like asking a guy to go ask a girl on a date. Like, go ask him. And he walked. You know, I let him walk up. I didn't, you know, bum rush him with with Roy. And Roy walked up and he started talking to him. And when I felt it was safe, I could join them and at least stand there. And God, it was just like, like two peas in a pod, just talking about, uh, just talking about baseball. And he actually called, you know, kind of described the conversation with Roy. He's like, you know baseball nerds like us and it was like he got an autograph from joe dimaggio in person it's just he he lit up and he was like yes and it was a cool moment we had two minutes of him talking about baseball um and it was really cool so uh, you know having jason stark tied in with you and um and the book and roy being able to talk about that is cool well so here's the tie-in is that jason wrote the foreword for your book um, and I just wanted to share, so my favorite part in here, so he talks about Coco Crisp, and Coco Crisp, the batter, was facing a pitcher named Pasquale Coco. Pasquale Coco hit Coco Crisp with a pitch. They both were unhappy, and there was a confrontation. They both got ejected. <laughs> right one of his favorite notes ever, two hot goes to go. And I just, 
I, I know that that's right up Jason's alley as far as the sense of humor, but he also loves these strange little, like, not just the mathematical oddities, but also the language oddities through through baseball. Right. He's, he's big for... Um, the kind of stuff I love is there was an, there was a, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. A few years ago, uh, there was a pitcher for the Houston Astros at that time named Jared Cosart. And he pitched, Former he had partner. a battery mate, he had a battery mate named Jason Castro. Castro and Cosart are anagrams of each other. See, that's the so, nerdy stuff. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, you know, somebody on Twitter who follows me, who knows me, said, hey, DB, has this ever happened before where you have a battery that are anagrams of each other? So, of course, that's what I went and started researching. And I found one other example. It was a pitcher in the 1980s named Randy Nosek, N-O-S-E-K, pitching to Matt Noakes, N-O-K-E-S. And that's the kind of stuff that Jason loves. And so we're kindred spirits in, in that regard. So the book Hall of Name, um, there's, a, there's a very brief introduction. And then the rest of it is basically an encyclopedia of players with interesting names. And you've broken them out into different categories. But under each listing, you've got birth name, pronunciation of difficult parts. And I love that that's how you call it. Because uh, you, you're not going to say how to say the whole name. It's just the tricky part. His right. nickname, there was one. Height and weight, born, died, you know, date and place, position, active years in the majors, name, eti- name etymology and definitions, which... I, I, I'm a bit of a history language kind of a, I love that stuff. But then you start to have some fun. You have best day by WPA or other measure. And so for some of these guys, you're going back into like the 1850s. Uh, so right, when they have, they have no game logs. So it's like, well, they made the majors. That's okay. Hurrah for them. So, <laughs> so I've got it open to this guy's name is Con Lucid. First name C. Uh-huh. On last name Lucid, L-U-C-I-D, like Lucid Dreaming. And under the best day, it says, unfortunately, there are no individual game logs from that era. And frankly, given his career stat line, Lucid didn't have many highlight games. <laughs> and then you got it's a true name not to be confused with, and you have a, you have a ton of fun in that section. And then fun anagrams. So in this particular case, Cornelius Cecil Lucid turned into I sliced cruel counsel. I've I've never been able to put those together. Like I watch Jeopardy a lot, and they'll have an anagram section, and it's like it's a cream puff clue, and then they'll show all letters, and that'll throw me off because I can't rearrange those in my head. But you've got the the great brain to rearrange. <laughs> okay, I, I have to I have to give up a little bit of my secret here. Oh yeah. Yes, I yes I love to anagram. I play Scrabble competitively, so I'm always anagramming, you know, the seven letters on my rack and seeing if they make a real word. I have anagram software where you throw in a name or you throw in a sentence and it spit and you give it certain parameters and it spits out another sentence or phrase. So 
for example, for con, for con lucid, I put in Cornelius so-and-so lucid, and that's what it spit out for me. I, I can't take credit for all of those anagrams. I wish I could, but at least, at least it's in the book. Yeah, and that's that's perfectly fine. I mean, you got to have a little bit of uh, a little spycraft or a little bit author cra- author author craft to to get a book like this done. Um, I I just I, I love how then you go into I don't have the book in front of me, but I, I love how you go into you go into the player's background and some really in depth definitions of where the name come from, how it was how it was not only how it was it said, but Roy, you have the book there. It goes in deep with some of these names. It's really interesting. Well, part of, part of the sorry. Go ahead, please. Um, I have to admit that I I am a total nerd, uh, and I'm proud of it. Um, my my bookshelves are full of reference books, dictionaries, thesauruses, um, you know, pro, uh, encyclopedias of slang. You know, just. I, I, I'm just in a, a, a quest for knowledge. And so the, the name origins and things of that nature just are another offshoot of I have a quest. I have this quest for knowledge. I want to know why is Calix, why was Calix Crab named Calix? Right. And, you know, so it turns out he was named after, the, uh, after part of a flower with, with a different spelling of the word Calix. Um, but it, it's that, it's that, it's that curiosity that I have just for the type of minutia and trivia that each player brings with them. And when it comes to the biographical information, um, I will have to give a big shout out to the Saber Baseball Bio Project, which is basically volunteer driven researchers going on their own and researching the, the, the life stories of these players uh, and then writing about them and posting them online. And there's over 5,000 different profiles on the Baseball Bio Project of these pe- people who played from 1850s through the current day. So when I couldn't find any real biographical information on some of these players like Con Lucid and, and Patty Mays and a few others, I turned to the Baseball Bio Project and, and you know, used some of their, some of their findings for the bios that, were, that are in this book. So they do have a Twitter handle, don't they? Uh, yes, well, there's, there's Saber, S-A-B-R.org. But also Saber and, Bio, uh, yeah? Uh, bio, I believe it's Saber Bio or Saber Bio Project. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I follow Saber obviously, but then also I I think also I saw the Saber Bio Project as well. So that's God, that's fantastic. So, but someone like say Nomar Garcia Para isn't so interesting to you because it's just Ramon spelled backwards, and that's kind of a neat name. We <laughs> <laughs> also he's a Red Sox. Um, Interesting kind of thing that we have uh, for a Padre prospect is uh, Tucapita Marcano. Tucapita Marcano is from Tucapita, Venezuela. So he, he was named after the city uh, that he was born in by his father. Okay. Well, um, I'm I'm still rooting for Sick North Loopstock. <laughs> 
And you, you know the story of Sick North, do you not? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not please, please share. Sick North is basically the the name Francis spelled backwards. Oh my gosh. What? So the parents named the kid Sick North, which is Francis backwards. Was that a thing back in the eighteen hundreds? Is this like an older guy? No, this is this is a present day player. Oh my god! <laughs> I've got him up right now. Cleveland Indians organization. Ah. Uh, okay, well there we go. So what? What is What's my favorite name in the Padres organization? His name is Henry Henry. Well, there, and there's a there's another minor leaguer. I think he actually made the majors for a cup of coffee. Was Jose Jose? Jose, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't remember that one. See, I, I thought I was going to have to ask you to go take a look and dig into the, the your archive. Pull one right off the top of your hat. Encyclopedia knowledge of names is, oh my God, you that's fantastic. So what what inspired you? I mean, we're, we're talking about it right now, obviously, but what really, what really inspired you to want to write a book about names? Um, my blog, which started in 2011, Value Over Replacement Grit, one of the regular features was I, I profiled these wild and wacky names. And I, I first, you know, my last name is Firstman. That's, that's funny. That's funny enough as it is. I mean, if, if I'm going to poke fun at anybody, I might as well poke fun at myself first. Um, my grandparents' last name was Slutsky. That's fun. That's that's that you make fun of because it's oh, it's Slutsky. Ooh, ooh, ooh. But it's almost you know, a slur, I, right? I, Is that a yeah? It's a derogatory right. term. <laughs> I mean, it turns out there's there's a there's a community in Russia named Slutsk, and and so the people from there are Slutskys. Oh. Therefore, there you go. Um, so like I said, it's just this quest for, for bits of knowledge. And I, I, whether it's the definition of a word or the etymology of a name, I, I just have this innate curiosity about it. And so I wrote these profiles once in a while on my blog and I wanted to make it into a book. And, um, I took it to a couple of independent publishers and they said, personally, we love the topic, but we don't think it's going to sell. So I put the project on hold for six years. And in that time, the world of, um, self-publishing exploded. You know, you can, you can basically, you know, find companies that will help you publish your own book. And that's what I did. And I just, you know, I just sat down and started writing profile after profile, and I found a company that would help me publish. I found a a book cover illustrator through through Twitter. Um, <laughs> I found a, um, a I, I have a mutual friend in Scrabble who does book design and book layout, who did the layout for the book. You know, so it all came together and. Now I, I guess I can let you guys in. I, I'm working. On, I'm starting to work on the sequel for the book. <laughs> ah, that's fantastic. Okay, you that because one of the things you say in your little intro is you know people are going to ask you why didn't you mention this player, and one of the things you say is he might be in the sequel as like a little, uh, little hint there that you're dropping. 
So you break people, you break these guys into different categories. Um, do you do you know your categories off the top of your head, or would you like me to list them out from the book? Oh, you can read them off if you like. Uh. So you've got baseball poets and men of few different letters, which are players with rhyming names and or alliterative names. Dirty names done dirt cheap, which players with scatological or otherwise naughty names. Sounds good to me. Players with mellifluous, melodious names. And so you mentioned Nomar Garcia Parra, yeah. and that was a name always. There's a nice rhythm to it. Yeah. Nomar Garcia yeah. Parra. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you hear it from the PA announcer. Um, no focus group convened. So players whose names don't fall into one of the prior three categories or ones that might involve us questioning the intentions of the player's parents. So that's just people you wanted to write around because you thought they were interesting and you don't care what anybody else thinks, right? Uh, yeah, or yeah, or players who just really didn't fit into the first three categories. <laughs> Keep it simple. So what are the some of the right, so what are the names a couple names read up a couple names there Roy uh, of the ones that kind of just don't fit in every category because those are like and make you question what the parents were thinking. Okay, so let me flip back to that. Okay, uh, you got Jim Toy, um, Homer Smoot, Boot Hoffenberger, uh, Hensley Mullins, who I believe is a bench coach for the Giants now. Yep. Former, former, former Yankee prospect, yes. Oh. Oh, I remember Ambiorix Burgos being a pitcher for the Royals, and he just he always stood out to me because Ambiorix. What an unusual name. Scarborough Green. It sounds like it's straight out of a Simon and Garfunkel song. <laughs> uh, in fact, I, I do make a joke about that in, in, in the profile for him, yes. Oh, I thought the film here because they're food-related. Donovan works in food service. Yeah. So you've Mark Lemangelo, I believe, is, is the pronunciation. It looks like lemon jello. Lemon jello. <laughs> don't, don't, don't pronounce the lemon jello because it's Lemangelo. Lemangelo. <laughs> Over louder milk. Uh, let's see. There's an urban shocker. In fact, <laughs> you mentioned the value over replacement grit uh, blog, and I, I want to hear the story behind the name. But right now, out of your boredom, because we're all stuck inside right now, can't go anywhere, you decided to create a tournament. Yes, I did. Uh, It's a Twitter-based tournament. I've taken um, 64 names from the book, or approximately 60 names from the book, and a couple that I didn't get to put in the book, and I put them into brackets, you know, based on whether they were scatological or mellifluous or what were their parents thinking, and I have them battle it out based on Twitter voting of, you know, one day apiece. And we're getting down to the final 16. And uh, we'll crown a cha- we'll crown an eventual champion, uh, hopefully in the next few days or so. But, we, yeah, we're battling out for the 64 best names out of the book. I just stumbled upon this yesterday as I was doing my research. And I had a lot of fun going through and. Well, which yeah. name do I think is funnier or more interesting? It's a completely arbitrary individual thing, but when we've all got all this time on our hands, it's a great way to pass the time. And there are a couple of Padres yeah. in there, too, so I've ordered, I always voted for the Padre guys. Yeah, you got Sixto Lescano, and I don't know if Juan Eichelberger is in the book, but Jason... No, Stark- but Doug, Doug Goosh is in the book. You remember, you remember Doug Goosh? Goosh. Doug Goosh. I got to look this one up. 
he, he was a catcher for the Padres in the early 1980s. Um, not much of a bat, pretty good defensively, and his he was spelled his name was spelled G W O S B D Z. Oh, it's, it, but it wasn't Austin Hedges. <laughs> too soon. Uh, no, <laughs> too soon. <laughs> no, so I didn't recognize that because of the pronunciation because Goosh. The, the way that it's spelled, it's <laughs> like Goose. G-W-O-S-D-Z. It looks like it yep. should be Gwaz. Gwaz. I guess yeah. that's the, the journalist, the little pronunciation guide. <laughs> so how did you come up with the name Value Over Replacement Grit? Was this uh, a pushback against the Value Over Replacement Player for Baseball Prospectus? It was it was a wink it was a wink and a nod to value over replacement player and the the people who were against the over anal, over anal, over analytics that are perpetrating you know the, the the guys who were dead set against analytics and who only said oh he's a really he knows how to win he's a gritty player he gets his uniform dirty. So value over replacement grit took the best of both worlds and made it into the title of my blog. Yeah, there's always something about that gritty player that people are drawn to. So growing <clears throat> 90s with the Padres, Eric Owens was somebody that stood out like that. That There wasn't anything that he did that was particularly great, right. but he was back effort all the time, always got his jersey dirty, always seemed to be coming through right when the team needed him. And so he became a favorite of mine because he was gritty. Because he was gritty. And, and some, some, some players make a living out of that. Yeah, and, and now there's a there's a, a mascot named after that. Yeah, but he's, he's hockey. Hockey yeah. doesn't have grittiness. <laughs> Gritty, grittiness should be reserved for baseball. Yes, yes. I guess you don't get dirt anywhere on you on a hockey rink. <laughs> so DB, do you follow any other sports? Um, I used to follow football a little and a little bit of basketball. Um, I graduated from St. John's and once upon a time they had a really good basketball team. Um, that was like 30 years ago. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll generally watch just about any sport, but I really just follow baseball, yeah. Yeah. you know, Day in and day out. Yeah. Me too. So I, I don't do anything else. Your, Baseball is my only thing. Your Sabre bio mentioned the three true outcomes. You don't think that the Royals will ever embrace it or something to that effect. Um, but it looks like a, a piece that you wrote about the three true outcomes. It, it made its way into the Sabre Baseball Research Journal, which is a fantastic achievement. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that work was about? Sure. Um, I wanted to write, um, well, actually I was, how it started was I was following the, um, the foibles of Aaron judge during the playoffs a couple of years ago. And all he would do would be strikeout walk or Homer. And so I was calculate, I was calculating his three true outcome percentage after every plate appearance and posting it to Twitter. And so Cecilia Tan, who is the editor of the Baseball Research Journal, said, you know, three true outcomes would be a great research article. 
And I'm, I, I looked at her like she had three heads, but it turns out that I did a bunch of research on the history of the, of the phrase three true outcomes. It's traced back to the um, bulletin board days of the early internet, uh, the Usenet group, Alt, Alt Sport Baseball, I believe, and Christina, Christina Carl came up with the phrase three true outcomes as sort of an ode to Rob Deere, who was the sort of the pr- prototypical guy who would only strike out, walk, or homer. <laughs> we were talking about that because I asked, I asked that question to Roy, and Roy's like, yeah, like Rob Deere. I'm like, what? And then you just mentioned Rob Deere, so oh my God, that's so funny. So, so guys like Rob Deere and, and Gorman Thomas and a few others, um, so I basically traced the history of three true outcomes uh, from a, a sort of a lark. It was, it was, nobody was really serious about tracking three true outcomes. It was, it was just sort of this sort of internet lark. You know, they were making fun of these people because of what they did on the field. And then flash forward 25 years, and that's what is some people say wrong with baseball now it's devolved into either a walk a strikeout or a home run and there's very few balls in play so i i basically did the statistical work to show that the three true outcome percentage uh, as a percentage of all uh, plate appearances has increased you know quite substantially it's like maybe now 35 percent of all plate appearances end in one of these three true outcomes um, so the, the work was in the baseball research journal. I did a poster presentation for Saber. Um, so I'm, that, that's one of my, that's one of my other l- little, uh, pastimes tracking three true outcomes. Well, that, so something came up recently. So the Padres traded a player to the Rays and one of the Rays players was caught on a live stream saying something about, oh, we traded him and all we got back was a slapdick prospect. And so the phrase slapdick means somebody that doesn't hit the ball hard, hits it on the ground a lot, hits it the other way, uh, a light-hitting kind of a guy. And so somebody immediately went on the went and developed a slapdick plus metric. And it's funny because they came up with a way of, of putting those three stats, soft hit uh, percentage, um and ground ball rate and they crunched it up and all these all these players came out right at the top that would that you would think of like uh Juan Pierre and Tony Womack um Ichiro oh. was in there yeah that's but it's funny how this an idea will spark somebody to come up with a metric and then there might actually be an application for it uh, I think three true outcomes has a nicer ring to it than slapdick. <laughs> Very much so. Well, the fact that baseball has trended toward that suggests that there's something to that that baseball finds value in those outcomes above and beyond you, your your contact hitter, the guy, the singles hitter, and one of our favorite players growing up, Tony Gwynn. He wouldn't be viewed the same way in today's era. He'd still be viewed as a great hitter, but maybe his contribution wouldn't be held to such high esteem because he doesn't hit a lot of home runs. Right, right. And for somebody like Ichiro, Ichiro could have hit home runs. He had he had he had the back control 
to hit home runs if he wanted to, but he was more focused on putting the ball in play on the ground or line drives. But he could have hit, he, he told reporters and, and teammates that he could hit home runs if he wanted to, and he, he would often do that in batting practice. He would hit tons of home runs. So, yeah, um, very, very odd. You can make a statistic out of just about anything nowadays. Um, it's a question of how relevant is it to the game that we're currently seeing. But slapdick, um, I won't use it in mixed company. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so I, for a while, people were throwing the idea around of having a home run derby where you, you bring in Ichiro because they say in batting practice, yeah. when they say go ahead and hit some home runs, he'll stand there and just flip 20 straight over the wall. And somebody like Adam Dunn, who is another prototypical three-true outcome kind of a guy that can hit at a country mile. Yeah, I wanted to see a, a home run derby of those guys. It might not be, well, I mean, Ichiro is a perennial all-star, but guys that might not be your home run derby slugger all-star type players, but people that are known for, who is it, Willie Mo Pena, that can hit the ball forever. You bring those mm-hmm. guys in, show on. And, and give, us, give us some pitchers hitting home runs, too. Well, this is a fantastic book, and I, I can tell this is the kind of thing that you can have sitting out and just pick it up and flip any page, and there's Charlie Schmutz, and you want to read about where Charlie is from. Wipe that schmutz off your face. Right, right, yeah. you get some schmutz in your face. Right. My wife hates that name. So, like, they'll, they'll bring us a bagel, and, oh, what's on it? It's, it's schmutz. Don't worry about it. And, ew. <laughs> This is just such a fun book to flip through, and I'm already looking forward to the to the sequel. Thank you so much. Uh, I had a lot of fun. It, it was a lot of work. Um, like like I've been telling people, half the half the job is writing the book, and the other half is getting it to press. And you know, when the, with the self publishing angle of this, um, it, it it I've learned a lot about the publishing business, and so I'm more prepared for the second round. Um, but you know, this this has been a real fun project, and I'm looking forward to the second iteration of it. Well, and you've had some success with with the book as well. You've um, you've made the I think the New York bestsellers list a couple times. <laughs> not not quite. I made the Amazon top 100 baseball books for a while, okay. but not not New York not New York Times. I mean, don't okay. don't blow me up that I, I, big yet. I saw the tweet on it, and I just—I thought I'd give you the New York Times. Um, that, but that's still fantastic. With something that's self-published, have since now with the publishing of this book, are you getting some offers from from publishing houses? Are they showing a little more interest into it? Is this next um, book going to be a it, little easier? This—it's it, really early in the process. I mean, the book just came out last week, um, so. I I'm waiting to see just how many copies it sells before I take that number to a you know a nuts and bolts publisher and say I can give you this many people to buy this book. What do you say? So um, you know, but the initial the initial response has been very very positive in terms of the advanced reviews and the people that have wanted me to come on and talk about the book or people who've gotten 
uh, the early copies, you know, it's all been very positive. So it's, it's, it's very encouraging. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. We love the book. We can't wait for the second book to come out and we'll have you on again. Uh, thank you very much, DB. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Well, KC was winning. Hank Aaron was beginning. One Robbie going out, one coming in. Kiner and Midget Goodell, the Thumper and Mel Parnell. And Ike was the only one winning down in Washington. I'm talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. Hi, I'm Dr. Travis Ehlers, and I'm a certified chiropractic sports physician. Been in practice for 14 years, and I'm located at Oasis MD in Mira Mesa. I see patients anywhere from the weekend warrior to professional athletes, all the way to kids, pregnant women, basically anyone that has musculoskeletal conditions. So if you want any more information or would like to uh, see a chiropractor, you can locate me at 844-627-4763. That's my office number. Otherwise, you can get more information on my website, www.drtravisehealers.com. Otherwise, um, I have social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So just uh, look up my name, Dr. Travis Ehlers. Now my old friend, the bachelor, well, he swore he was the Oklahoma kid. And Cookie played hooky to go and see the Duke. And me, I always loved Willie May. Those were the days. Well, hey, we're joined here with Mike Rivers uh, from Adopt a Minor League Baseball Player. You're in Minnesota. We got Roy over the across town here in San Diego. Mike, how you doing? Doing all right, guys. How are you? Well, you know, we're staying in place or we're sheltering in place or we're just, I haven't left the house all day, but to check the mail and do laundry. Um, even then, the neighbors are looking at me like I have, you know, the, my complex are like, what are you doing out? Um <laughs> It's it's kind of extraordinary times, and it really uh, I want to really talk about what's going on. What, I mean, like with, with you, with the Dr. Minor League player, and on on top of us having to kind of shelter in place and be separate from everyone, you're suffering from uh, your father is suffering from stage three cancer, and you guys can't go see him. You know, uh, so can you give us a right. quick update on your pops? All right. Well, uh, my dad is is going to be starting um, chemotherapy and radiation um, very soon. Uh, that yeah, you're right. The frustrating thing, especially now with the coronaviruses, um, I cannot be with him. Um, I always promised that I was um, going to be there with him, and I can't now. Um, especially because my wife is an RN, so we have no idea if ever she brings something home. I can't risk putting my dad through that. So. Um, yeah. So at this point I'm trying to call him every day, but he's got stage three. Uh, and they said, if he didn't do anything right now, he'd about three months to live. So it's very aggressive. So we're hoping that 20 to 40%, you know, is, is, you know, some good odds for him. Yeah. Um, so then didn't you reached out to like all your followers and his favorite player was what's his name again? His, his favorite current twin is Max Kepler. Um, so I kind of reached out uh, to my uh, followers and said, you know what, hey, guys, if you have anything Max Kepler, you know, related, um, if you could send that to him to kind of cheer him up, please do. You know, I'd be very much appreciative. 
Um, and I also said, you know, for those who doesn't don't have that kind of stuff, um, just a card, just a get well card or, or, a, or um, you can do it kind of a card. Um, I wanted them to flood my dad's house with as much love and support, um, you know, for him since I can't be there physically to have, you know, this to, to kind of cheer him up and, and push him um, through. So he, you know, will battle this, you know, in, in, in kind of high spirits. I'm getting chills. Just God, you said it again. We talked just before. I'm getting chills again. Um, and so you, the, the Minnesota Twins reached out. Have uh, have they kind of given you an idea of what they're going to send? Or are they just going to just are they going to flood his house full of cool Minnesota Twins gear? They they said they're going to send him with a smile package. So I have oh, no idea exactly what that means. But I mean, you can only imagine what what it is, especially from you know an organization, the official Twins Twitter page, which I was I gotta tell you, I was very shocked to see it, and I was very happy to. So yes, I whatever he gets is is great from them. So and I do appreciate it. So have you gotten? You've got people that are sending random stuff in, right? Do you have you got like baseball cards, autographed balls? What kind of stuff are people sending? Um, for, for him, I, I have no idea what they're going to be sending yet. That's a, 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 there is somebody is sending their autographed Kepler Jersey, nice. um, authentic one. Um, and some are going to send some, uh, Kepler cards, uh, that kind of stuff. So, and then I do know that the, there is a player out there who says that his buddies with Kepler's, uh, are buddies with uh, one of Kepler's best friends. So, um, you know, he's going to talk to him and see if he can get a personal autograph from Kepler, which is, which is amazing. So, um, and then I, I did mention to another, um, podcaster that, um, his favorite kind of here, his hero growing up was Killebrew, Harmon Killebrew. Oh yeah. And he says, Oh, he goes, Oh really? He goes, he, he goes, when we were talk, talking, he turns around and goes, you mean this guy right here? And it was a baseball autograph. He goes, I'll send him to him. I'm like, what? Oh. So it's just the support for my dad has been crazy great. I'm now getting players who, who I got sponsors for asking mm-hmm. me for his address and they're going to send him cards and all of this. So I, it's just, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Is that you? That's you, Mike, right? So right now, Mike is actually probably still getting sponsors for players and you're probably hearing from players again. Uh, needing sponsors, so if you hear that little, mm, mm, I'm sure that's not my phone. No one's, uh, my wife's in the no. other room. <laughs> that's 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 me, and that's my yeah. Sorry, that is my uh, that's my notification for it. So, uh, it's it's never a dull moment in in uh, with with this even. Like I said, even with the uh, coronavirus and I'm uh, out of a job right now, I've been doing and, and keeping really busy kind of growing this this foundation as uh, as it's looking towards going to. We're going to do a we're moving towards um, being a nonprofit um, because we want to be around for more than just this year. Yeah. So let's talk about so the beginning. Of, go ahead. Go ahead. How did it all start out? What what inspired it? What were the first couple of things that you did and how did it kind of build momentum? Well, because of my father's um, cancer diagnosis, diagnosis uh, in November, we actually thought by um, he had surgery scheduled in late November or late January. We thought that was it. We we it was a scare. We thought, all right, this is it. He's going to be fine. We're good. Um, but when we got the news back right at the beginning of February that this isn't it, he's got more. It devastated me. It 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 was hard uh, around the house. You know, the feelings were just bad and kind of in a dark place. And at the, about the same time, um, I had been following a, an Aussie from uh, the. He used to be in the Twins organization um, in the uh, minor leagues. His name's Todd Van Steensel. He's now in the independent league, kind of around where I am. So we I uh, and he, that guy's Todd. Awesome. Todd Todd's great, but you also know if you follow him that he's always put up those kind of horror stories of the minor leagues, some of those kind of things. 
and I caught it and I'm like, you know what, can I help you? I reached out. Um, I sent him a little bit of money cause you know, he definitely could use some help. And then I'm like, you know what? This felt really good. Uh, do you have any friends in the twins organization still that could use some help? He reached out then. Um, actually that didn't work because those guys actually, I don't think, you know, like I said, I, nobody knew me. This is, wasn't anything yet. So they were just like, okay, not getting any help, but it went from there. He, uh, Todd said, Hey, if you want to do this, he goes, I can be your kind of guy, your legitimacy kind of thing. If a player needs to know if you're legit, talk to me. Um, and he helped me kind of spark the movement um, to get a couple players. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start a Twitter page because this makes me feel real good. And I bet there's a lot of fans out there who don't know what they go through um, and would definitely help these guys out if they did. Uh, and I've made it and it blew up from there. In seven weeks, we are now, we have helped 325 players. And we have now uh, 3,600 Twitter followers. So it is just crazy. We saw, um, well, I saw that tweet from Todd. Uh, he was, we signed him to what, a, like a non-roster invitee a couple of seasons ago. Our first year in spring training, me and Roy. And, you know, for the, for the minor league podcast, we're like, yeah, we'll go out there. We'll say hi to him. His mom's like, please take a picture. She's back in Australia. Please take a picture, but we, you know, and I saw him because he was hanging out with the other players, and I kind of looked at him, and he kind of looked at me, but you know, I didn't want to go like, you know, hey, dude, I mean, your mom told me to take a picture with you, um, so I never did that. But we knew who he was. <laughs> I saw that tweet, and then um, I think you reached out to me, or I reached out to you, and like you yep. said, like, I, I have personal information. I have information that I can't be handing out to anyone. I mean. Granted, I gave you Twitter handles, but, you know, I wanted right. to make sure that you were legit. And you're like, this is Mike. You know, I saw the tweet from Todd. Then I saw, you know, we kind of contacted a little bit on DM'd on Twitter. And I felt confident enough to give you a bunch of things you could find out on your own. But ever since right. then, you know, all those guys have been reached out to. I don't know if they've been helped, but you have their information. And through that, um, I got a guy from you. We, we got a guy. Sorry for I was on the farm. Got a guy from you. And uh, then I got a guy from Emily Walden uh, that yep. we that we uh, that we sponsor, and there is no shame in in asking for help. But most people and know that's like, oh, you're playing a kids game. You you know you want to be a major league to play harder. Um, there's a big reason why so many little yeah, minor leaguers make it to the major leagues is because it's a very right. hard game. And to yes. do what they have to do with the nutrition, with the living arrangements, with everything, I'm surprised it hasn't came up come up sooner. Like for our podcast, yeah, our podcast, we we sold shirts last year. Uh, we made a little bit of money that we said every cent we made went straight to the uh, booster club, and they were like, "Oh my god, thank you so much! This is so big," you know. And having firsthand knowledge of what it goes through. We didn't think to go like, oh, this building and dump a minor league player. So kudos to you, Mike, for bringing this up and the legitimacy that it's gotten so quick um, and the fire that it has really started. I think Major League Baseball has kind of taken a notice as well. I, I, I would hope so. Yes, you're right. It, it, it's just crazy. Like you're talking nutrition. Like we, we saw on Twitter, I think it was uh, his first name's Ty. So I think he's from the Mets. Exactly what he got as his lunch from, from the uh, the organization during spring training. And it looked like fourth graders sack lunch at school. <laughs> It was so awful. Like it's like a it's like a thinly sliced ham and cheese sandwich with like a gogurt or something. And it's like, come on. I mean, 
I mean, really, guys, it's it. And then just to find out even before this whole work stoppage that, you know, they don't get paid for spring training. They yeah. just get housed and they get those little fourth grade lunch lunch packs. And and then when they get into the season, they're making seven to eleven thousand dollars for six months, which is, yeah. is just I mean. I got to be honest, like I, I have to go on um, unemployment and my own unemployment payments are more than they make. Yeah. So on those seasons, so it's, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, for, for that to happen, I, that's why I started it. And I'm just happy that we were uh, this, this foundation ended up on such a solid ground before this happened with the stoppage, because we got bombarded with players now really needing help and we are able to help them. And, and, you know, like I still, I have so many more sponsors out there waiting for other players, you know, I, I it's, but, but I think a, it's hard cause they're spread out thin. Um, it's harder because they're not like all talking to each other and it's like 160 guys in, invited into spring training. So they can't all talk to each other right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, they're just sporadically out, but I need more players. I got tons of fans. I want to do it. Even after the, 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 people out of work and stuff. I still have tons, you know, saying, Hey, I need this. Hey, I need that. I, I want this player. I want that player. It's like, man, I, I wish I could. I just, I need more players 325 in and I still need more. So. So I, that's where a foundation comes in where you can, if you start with it, a 503 C 501 C, whatever that is. And then you can have like a general fund if people want to donate. And then you can through that. Is that kind of the, the next step for you? Well, at this point, where I am working with, if their name is morethanbaseball.org. They are a, a they are a, a 503B. Um, so they are doing the handling the general fund. Um, right now, we are doing a um, kind of a reimbursement for groceries up to 75 bucks. Any player wants to just you send in your receipts um, in an application, you're going to get 75 bucks back um, from that fund. Um, but uh, I think eventually, it, and I just want to this this foundation that I created to move into its own nonprofit um, and, but still work with these guys too uh, with more than baseball.org just because I got to be honest, you know, just thinking about it. If my dad doesn't have a long time to live, I want him to see this thing as big as possible before he goes. Um, so that's been kind of my drive. Um, but it's just, it's, that's what that's just pushing me. And to be honest, as much as, you know, yeah, I don't like not working. I have way more time to grow this thing now. That's good. So we've been plugged with the, with the whole um, pay discrepancy for a while. Uh, a while back, Kyle, no, no, um, right, uh, Eno Steris wrote an article with Eric Sim, where Eric Sim opened up his, his books for this is what a whole year was. This is my contract. These were my bills. This is how I survived the year as a minor leaguer. And I think he was in single A at the time. And that was what opened my eyes to just the the pay discrepancy that these guys yeah. have but what really kind of put it on a national radar was emily walden wrote a fantastic article in the athletic yep. so, one of our most candid colorful art interviews i'll say mm -hmm. uh but we've also spoken with emily several times and she's an amazing genuine person now you've gotten connected with emily and she's helped coordinate some of these players too right Yes. Like we're all kind of working together. I, the way I see it, I, you know, I don't, I don't feel like every, anybody is like a threat to me or, I mean, we're all in the same yeah. boat. We're all trying to do the same thing. We help each other out, you know, like all of us, you know, so if we can help a guy out, whether it's me, whether it's her, whether it's anybody else, that's, you know, that's fine with me. Um, I, I just want them taken care of. Um, so, so it really doesn't matter who does it to me as long as it's done. Yeah, so when this whole thing happened, 
you know, we've interviewed quite a few minor leaguers. And so I've, I've gotten some direct contact with a bunch of these guys. And so one night, like right when everything was shutting down, I was just laying there on the couch and it's like, what, what can I do? I started messaging a bunch of guys. Like, do you know anybody that, that it, most of these guys, they've got a home to go to where their parents can support them for a couple of months. Maybe they've right. got some equipment at home. They're, they're okay for the time being, but they might know somebody who's got a wife and a kid and who don't have to back them up. Maybe it's right. an international player who's got some bad living condition to go home to if, if he's going to go overseas. Um, right. That's a whole bunch of people. And I think one of them wound up getting connected through you. And we're not, it was actually somebody in the Orioles organization because one of the players said, yeah, a guy I knew from my hometown, he's in the Orioles organization. And to my knowledge, he only has a couple hundred bucks in his pocket and I don't think he has anywhere to go. He doesn't know what he's doing next. And so I, I believe he got in touch with you. Uh, and we've got one of our, uh, one of our members of Padres Twitter um, at Sean SA, yeah. uh, Sean SA 91, who's been kind of a, street warrior for you going out and finding is, all these guys he has been kind of my west coast buddy he's been my padre guy for sure it's he is he has really just taken over um especially early because like i you know i was i'm still kind of doing most of the one-on-one -on -one matchups myself with these players um but like you know he you know I, at first you know he wanted to help and you know like i didn't know anybody so you know i was a little skeptical at first but he stepped up and i'm like man you really are doing well and you're being like me so i you know i i let him you know hey anytime i got a padre unless you know i felt like maybe he was a little busy i you know i pushed him his way and because he was he definitely you know knew talking to you guys and and everybody else and he had that padre kind of backing and he knew a lot of people kind of like i do with the twins and just he went from there so he's definitely taken some uh some stress off of me and, and helped uh help do that too so kudos to him and um i know he was you know i'd send him i sent him a little bit of money so he could uh uh play some mlb uh 20 you know the show you know, to kind of, to kind of, since he's quarantined over there, so I kind of, so he could buy the game and, and, and play. So, and we joked, you know, because we're both about the same age, like, we're, wasn't it, wasn't it great back in the day when you could buy a video game and actually play it right then and there right. instead of having a download thing, thing for 24 hours? It's, you know, I watch my kid, like, I'm, I'm excited as they are to get him a game for like Christmas. And then it's like, yeah, go play it. Well, no, they can't. And we have to wait for a day for it to download. It's just like, that's ridiculous. No, you throw the cartridge in the top. Maybe you have to blow on it. Right. Yep. The top, hit the button. Yep. Yep. Exactly. There was little, little, little clicky little things you did with the Nintendo. You know, half. Are you put it in about ninety percent? You kind of pull it down. Yeah. There's plenty of stuff, but at least you get to play it right then and there, and not have to download the dang thing forever and a half. So I don't know. But yeah, he's he's a good guy too. He's been helping me out, and um, also. Um, there's a um, lady over in North Carolina. She, her name is Mariana Guzman. She's actually um, been helping me with all my Latin players because she's from Venezuela. So she, uh, she has been, she wrote a little bit for uh, twins daily, which is a blog over there up here in, in Minnesota. And so she was all for it. She had some connections and she has been great kind of helping me and the sponsors bridge the gap when I do have, you know, Latin players. Yeah. So if my, Obviously, my sponsors can't speak, you know, Spanish or they can't speak English. You know, she bridges the gap, helps them out. So these guys don't have to be scared to, uh, you know, approach us too because they don't speak English. Right. Um, and then finally, I just um, 
had kind of partnered up with uh, um, one of the players, actually. His name is um, Anthony Shu. He's from the Cardinals organization. TechWiz, he's actually doing my website for me. Um, but, I mean, he's got such great ideas. And and so I'm kind of partnering up with him on, on the adopt a minor leaguer uh, side. Uh, so I'm kind of very excited because he's, like I said, he's a good kid. He's very smart. Um, he's he's very much a tech whiz. And I need to surround every. I need to surround myself with so many smart people because I'm just this <laughs> average guy has no idea about business. You know all this kind of stuff. I have no idea. So the more smart people I can, you know, surround myself with, the better. Well, that's well, Roy it seems for like me. Across, <laughs> like across a lot of really good people, really by chance. Uh, right. People right. So it's interesting that you mentioned Venezuela. So last year, I got to know Gabriel Arias, who's a shortstop that was in single A Lake Elsinore last year. And he's from Venezuela, him and his wife. And the the political climate that's going on there poses some very unique challenges for the guys that come from there as far as what they need to do to be able to come here to do what they're pursuing as a career. So when the team, when everything shuts down, and they're telling everybody, okay, we'll cover your expenses to go home. The guys that are going to go home to Venezuela, I don't know if they have the same options to go home and know that they'll be able to come back in a couple months. Right. Is, is that a challenge that people have posed to you? Uh, it's a little bit, and it's and it's kind of harder now that the ones that go home, it's harder for, for my sponsors who have those guys because it's very much a, a difficult um, kind of a wall to get through to get them anything. You can't just send them the care package anymore. It's it's very hard to send them money. You have to, one, I think Western Union, like the old school wow. kind of way, because wow. you can't do Venmo, you can't do all that kind of stuff. Uh, and another, it was really funny, it's a really hard connection here. So we've got, I've got a Canadian, uh, a Canadian sponsor who wants to donate or give money to her, her um, player who's in, I believe it's the Dominican, and she, and I she had to send me the money, and so it went from seventy five Canadian to like forty eight something oh. American, and I had to send it. Then I have to send it to him, you know, via you know, like I think Zelle, which is actually part of your bank account, which is fine with that. But it's just like it was so difficult sometimes to get these guys when they're not around here some help. Um, but we're trying to the best that we can. So in New York, that was the first. To my knowledge, that's the only place where a, a affiliated ball player has tested positive for this virus. And as a result, they quarantined like the entire camp, right? Yes. Right, right, exactly. So what spawned from that? Well, to before this all happened, um, I had a couple of the Yankees already sponsored um, through through my you know foundation. And then I heard that they got quarantined and they weren't going anywhere. So they're all stuck. And you kind of saw that first, like they're, they're posting like, you know, like quarantine life, you know, all the funny little stuff they're doing, but they're stuck. So I said, you know what, let's, I mean, granted, I mean, I'm a twins fan. So Yankees, man, ugh, this right, hurt. Exactly. This I mean, I, I love the Indians compared to my feelings towards the Yankees, but I mean, it's, it's one of those, like, you know what, they're the baby Yankees. They don't, they, they're innocent. Fine. But I said, you know what, let's let's get them some stuff, you know, kind of like a grand package. Um, and let's let's shout out to my followers and 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 maybe some Yankee fans and let's raise some money and get this these guys something to do, you know, cheer them up because, you know, it's going to suck to be stuck in a hotel for that long. So, uh, you know, I pushed, I pushed, you know, we got a bunch of money and then 
Not, not only that, but um, we finally kind of got a hold of a, a Minnesota Twin who's he's on the forty man roster. He's he was on the 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 big team last year, uh, named Lewis Thorpe. He's also an Australian. Um, so he sorry. So he ended up um, chipping in for the pizza party. Yeah, so yeah, he ended up buying buddy the pizza. So, so like, yeah, he ended up donating the money for the pizza party. So, you know, we ended up sending not only just the pizza, which for a hundred and something grown men, that's expensive, but, uh, video games. I sent him PS4 and Xbox games. We sent him, um, Lego sets, which they were ecstatic about. Um, they fought over those, uh, puzzles, board games, decks of cards, everything you can. And then a bunch of like snacks and stuff, you know, like beef jerky and, and granola bars and, and that kind of stuff. So we, we shipped it. I shipped half of it down. And then one of my sponsors lives in Tampa. So I, you know, send him some money and he went and shopped the rest down there and delivered it to him. Wow. So we, we, we just hit them with a whole bunch of stuff. And, uh, yeah, so they were very happy. And, and I think, I, I mean, fortunately, unfortunately, I think it made some Yankee friends. So, <laughs> but, uh, I told him, I said, I said, you know, you make it up here. You make, you make, I said, I will do a light golf clap for you, you know, in, in target field, you know, I'll kind of semi, you know, silently root for you, but I'm not going to root against my twins. <laughs> so what- and I'm on your page right now, clicking around through stuff. He put up a pair of cleats that's like an auction that he's got a signed game used cleat that he's throwing <laughs> up and the oh. the bidding is going up and up and you say, Hey, do I hear three seventy five? He bid three seventy five on his own shoes. He's gonna buy his own shoes back. It, the joke and I, and I joked with him. I'm like, you know what? That's not how this works. But he also he also said that hey, he goes if he ends up winning them, he said he'll just donate them back to me after it too. So not only will we get the money for it. But he'll donate the, the cleats uh. back. So uh, I think I think he's having some fun. I mean, he after the pizza thing, you know, he just he's having fun with this, um, and he's definitely helping us out. So um, you know, this is great to have my foot at the door a little bit with the major league or not. I, I'm really trying to see if I can get more um, of the major leaguers. But it's I know it is hard because it's it's you know it's a tight knit group. It's it's also a group that you know, like athletes and actors and and famous people, they always have to watch their backs because there's always out people out there wanting to scam them, wanting to steal from them, and and they don't know who they can trust. So it takes forever, you know, and and you know to build. You need to build that rep. You need to build that you know validity. And and one of the things I'm doing now is because I had a story done on me from SportsIllustrated.com. We saw it. So I you know when I when I tell people and and whatever I send that to them like listen. This is this is what the story done to me. This is we're legit. We really are who right. we are. Take a look at it if you if you want to talk. Great. If not, that's fine. But just know that we are a legit a uh, foundation. Absolutely. We had that issue with um, with making shirts for Luis Patino and Mackenzie Gore last year. Um, Mackenzie was right. like, "Yeah, sure, do whatever." But when I went to uh, Luis Patino, his agent contacted me, and I had to like, I'm like, "Look, I have a day job. Like, uh, this is we're just gonna sell shirts, and every penny's gonna go." You know, to the booster club, and you know, he. I had to send him stuff. I had to send him the the uh, the artwork, and then like I had to validate. I had to validate myself, and I'm just a dude. Right. Like, you're, we're just people, just trying to help people. Yeah. And but we're just average. We're just the average Joes, right? Right. And and you know, I got about two percent left on my phone right now. Literally two percent. <laughs> but it, it 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 just goes to show you what grassroots. People that really want to do something in the face of a billion dollar industry, you 
people are coming together to do this, and it's almost embarrassing for us to have to do this for minor league guys when they're employees of a billion dollar company, um, literally a billion dollar company each, and you're we're paying you're paying way more than they are getting from the teams that they're employed by. Right, right, and though quickly the way I look at it is this: I know they're not homeless, but my my kind of uh, idea and, and comparison is this to people who say, well, why don't we just let the billionaires do it? The, the government, you know, like with homelessness, the government should be able to take care of all homeless people, you know, really that should be an issue they take care of. Right. Uh, well, if you see a homeless man on the street, it, would you not give him five bucks be, you know, because the government's not doing their job? No, you give him five bucks. Why? Cause that five bucks won't make or break you, right. but that might be the difference in their day. Yeah. And you know what, if the off chance that they're, they're, they're fake about it, they're not really homeless, whatever that didn't kill me to give you five bucks, right. just like this whole sponsorship is not killing the, the, the fans. So, you know, they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart and they can afford it. I have two brothers that are homeless due to mental illness. And uh, it, it's tough because one of them was in my city with my mom. Like I would go to work and like, Oh, there's my mom and my brother, uh, nothing I can do. Right. Um, but it, it is, it, it's, um, it's humans helping other humans. I'm down to one percent, Mike. We're gonna have to have you come on again, dude. And I, I will. I would enjoy that. <laughs> Do we have more time? Um, I'm gonna lose you. Thank you so much for coming on. We're gonna tweet this out. We're gonna continue to tweet your stuff. Uh, I'm gonna continue to retweet, and I'm gonna continue to sponsor our guys because our guy actually came back and said, "Hey, so Major League Baseball are gonna pay us some money." I just wanted you to know that. I'm like. Uh, I know that because I saw the tweet. Like we're good for now. We'll just keep doing what we're doing. It's not a. It's it's not enough. To it let's face it, it's not enough. <laughs> it really is not enough. Anyway, I even told all of my. I told all my sponsors as soon as I saw it. I said, "Keep doing it." Yeah. I said because you don't know how much you're getting, and and it's it's not going to be enough. They're not going to give them a raise right now. So, yeah. um, but check us out at Adopt MILB Player on Twitter, and we also just uh, opened up our merch. Um, uh, line so you can buy some shirts and help support the players and all the sponsors out there buy the shirts that way you can represent well now it's the 80s and Brett is the greatest and Bobby Bonds can play for everyone Rose is at the vet Rusty again is a Met and the great Alexander is pitching again in Washington I'm talking baseball like Reggie Queen's in bed well, those were cool interviews. DB was great. Yeah, DB was fantastic. I had so much fun just flipping through this book, putting so many marks in this thing. Um, and like I said, I, once I found out that they were one of the sources for Jason Stark's articles, I all of a sudden it's like it all came together for me uh, because I've enjoyed following their Twitter account. Yeah, and and. And then the, the way the book's written is so much fun to flip through. So I really recommend anybody out there jump on Amazon and uh, pick this puppy up. Um, it's, the, it's, it's a book that you don't really read cover to cover. It's just one you leave sitting out and then you pick it up and you open it up and you go, oh, Ode to B. McDowell. How about that? Right. And you flip another page and you're like, oh, my God, there's Calix Crab and uh, Dick Poole and Rusty Kuntz uh, and all the funky names throughout Major League Baseball. So where does the name Koontz come from? And what about Pete LeCock, a teammate? Right. You have name origin and what makes that player interesting? <laughs> and fun stuff like scrambling the letters around to see what other words you can come up with. Yeah. <laughs> it's wacky and fun, and, and I love it. 
Absolutely. It was great to have have DB on. Uh, also, have a mic on. You know, and guys, literally, my phone died at the end of that. Right when you hear Mike uh, kind of sign off, my phone literally died a second after that. So, um, using the Skype on my phone, even when it's charged up fully, it, it doesn't hold well. Uh, so, oh, kept talking for another hour with that guy. Well, we totally, we totally could have. He is a genuine good dude. He really seems to have his heart in the right place. He's not interested in making any of this about him. It's all about helping the players. Um, it's growing faster than he had any idea that it could. Yeah. And it sounds like the right people are all rallying around him to put it together. You know, and he does come across incredibly uh, authentic. You know, and I think that's a real, you know, that's a real thing that I think everyone's kind of picked up is that obviously it's, it's uh, legitimate. He's legitimately trying to help people. But when you talk to him, you're like, yeah, it, there's you. You can sense the genuineness and the strong, you know, the desire to help other people. And right. that's why I think so. it's really came across because it hasn't really been done before. And I'm not sure if it would have worked with with many other people. You know, after that, then Emily got on board with getting people jobs and started also a a, a fund as well that quickly got filled up with. Yeah, that's awesome. Getting getting these guys hooked up with jobs, short term jobs to cover the next couple of months. Um, that's fantastic. So if anybody out there is listening, and hasn't heard, look up Emily Walden's Twitter account. Um, if you're looking for a place to work to get by for the next month or two, she'll hook you. She'll connect you with somebody in your community that might be able to get you some short term work. Yeah, and that's from anywhere in the, in the United States. It's all over. So if you're in yeah. some some you know near a large city or whatever, a small city, I'm sure she could put their feelers out there and get that, uh, you know, get you connected. And one other thing about Mike, he, he's so forthcoming about what's going on with his dad yeah. and in his personal life. But at the same time, he's not looking for sympathy um, or anything like that. He's just, this is my situation and this is what I'm doing to deal with it. And he's making the absolute best out of a, of a situation that's, you know, that's tough. It is very tough. I, uh, I got chills just talking to him, not only about his dad, but about, you know, adopt a minor league player. Uh, just every time we talked about it, I, I'm sensitive to that kind of stuff. And I'm getting chills right now just talking about it. And the genuine concern that the whole community has shown with his dad and his dad's going to, you know, the, the twins reached out to him. Hey, we're going to, you know, someone that knew someone that knew his favorite player is going to reach out to that, uh, reach out to him and, um, that shows that Twitter isn't the cesspool of negativity and pain that oftentimes it is. And stuff like this that comes through on occasion really keeps my faith in humanity. Um, really makes me feel like, you know, even the small stuff that we do here with our silly podcast um, matters to people and people care and it helps us. Yeah, so it helps us. Thing that came, so his current favorite player is Max Kepler, yeah. but his all time player is Harbin Killebrew, which any longtime Twins fan would probably, they're either Rod Carew, Tony Oliva, or Harmon Killebrew. Did you know that Harmon Killebrew is probably the model for the MLB logo? Was it him? Was it Killebrew? Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the painter won't specifically, or the, the designer won't specifically attribute it to him, but so much lines up, and there's a photo somewhere of the exact same pose. Uh, of Harmon Kill. Also, Paul Molitor, as a, for you Twins fans out there, and Kirby Puckett. 
But <laughs> but I digress too, you know. And he was even happy about helping uh, Yankee minor leaguers, which you know, the, pay in inequality, pay inequality um, knows no team names, knows no difference in organization. They're all getting paid dirt cheap. Um, They're all human beings trying to chase a dream. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe those guys might wind up in the Twins organization at some point. All right, well, but it's good good to make friends anywhere you go. Yeah. And he's a cool guy to have a friend to be a friend with. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am Zippy at at Zippy underscore TMS. <laughs> we are corona out. Okay, you guys, stay safe, wash your hands, stay away from each other, and we'll talk soon. Siva Garby Schmidt and by the blue If Cooper's town is calling, it's no fluke They'll be with Will